Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Well, I'd like to extend a great morning to all of you today. It's a great morning. It's wonderful to see all of you today as well. Just want to welcome all of our online family, wherever you are, whether local or national, and who knows, across the world, and then especially just to Crookston, to all of our friends and family in Crookston. God bless you. It's wonderful to have you join with us today. It's been a great week, right? Yeah, yeah, awesome. And again, it's just wonderful having all of you here today. As you know, we are going through a series of sermons entitled Life Saver. In so doing, uh, next week we're going to wrap it up. But in so doing, what we're doing is look at, at a Psalm of David. There's 150 of them. So looking at a Psalm of David, the context of the Psalm, and then how does that apply to us? Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 51, verse 14, where David spoke and he said this, Psalm 51, 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The context of Psalm 51 is found, says Psalm number one, and then it has the verse, and in between there, there's just a couple sentences, and I'm sure your Bible is probably like mine. And here it says this, here's the context. For the choir director, this is a song, this is a, a psalm, just as that, that of a song. For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. How many remember the story of David and Bathsheba? Well, lots of us do the story, but so all of us can stay on, just grasp the context of Psalm 51. Again, when David wrote Psalm 51, he had just got done speaking with Nathan the prophet. Here's the context. Israel was at war with the nation of Ammon. And rather than King David going into battle like kings typically did, David says, I'm not gonna go into battle, and so he stays back. One night... Sun is setting, David's walking up on the roof of his house, and as he, you guys know the story, he looks down, and when he looks down off the roof of the kingly palace, he sees a beautiful lady that's bathing. David goes to his servants and says, I want you to bring that lady to me. And so his servants obey David. They go and they bring, that, they bring that beautiful lady to David. David, the name of the lady was Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba spend the night together. As a result, Bathsheba becomes pregnant. Whoa, what's the king to do? What's the king to do? Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, is at battle, fighting. David the king, again, should have been out there leading his troops, but he's back home. And so what David does, he devises a plan to bring Uriah back to Jerusalem have Uriah spend the night with his wife so that when the baby is born, everybody will know, ah, this is Uriah's child. But when David brings Uriah back, it says, that, you know, it's so great to have you. You've done a great job. I just want you just to take a, like a, the day off. And Uriah, being such an incredible person of integrity, rather than, he goes to his home, but rather than going into his house and sleeping with his wife that night, he goes and he sleeps on the porch. And David's like, ah, when he talks to Uriah, like, Uriah, like, like you spent the night on the porch of your home and you didn't like sleep in your house with your wife. And he said, and Uriah, again, this incredible person of integrity, says this, like, why, why should, when all of my comrades are living in tents out on the battlefield, why would I go and sleep in my own bed with my own wife? I simply will not do it. 
And so David says, all right, well, that didn't work. Plan number two. And so he says, this is what I'm going to do. And so he gets Uriah drunk on the second night and says, if he's drunk, then I know he'll go in and spend the night with his wife. Everybody will think, oh, yeah, that's Uriah's child. But plan number two doesn't work either. So the leader of David's army is a guy by the name of Joab. And so he goes to David, goes to Uriah and says, here's a letter. Take this letter and take it and give it to Joab. Don't read it, but give it to Joab. And so, so, so Uriah takes this letter, gives it to Joab. And when Joab reads the letter, this is what the letter says. It says, take Uriah, place him in the most difficult, the fiercest place of the battle. And when the battle escalates, then remove all of the other men except for Uriah. What a turkey, huh, David? That's the kindest word I can think of this morning, okay? <laughs> like, what? Like, are you serious? You're gonna kill one, you're, like this, this soldier, your own soldier, to cover up your sin? That, is that how this works? Is that what, what brought you to this world? That's what you're gonna do? And so they go into battle, and Joab listens to what his, his, his boss, his, his, his commander has said, and so the battle rages, and all of the men, all of them retreat, except for Uriah, and Uriah is killed on the front lines of the battle. And David, when it's reported to David, you know what David says? He says, well, the sword kills some, and it doesn't like misses others, so that, like, that's just the way it is like this incredibly flippant attitude. Second Samuel eleven twenty seven says, when the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought Bathsheba, her, to his house, and Bathsheba, she had mourned. There was, there was periods of mourning, and so Bathsheba had mourned the death of her husband, and then she became, Bathsheba became David's wife, and then she bore him the son that was David's son. But the thing, the last verse of 27, but the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. It was a sin. And the Bible records it was evil. David had sinned and disobeyed the Lord. And so what happens is the Lord sends a prophet to David by the name of Nathan. And when the prophet Nathan comes to David, David says, what's going on? And, 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 and Nathan says, well, I'd just like to tell you a story. There were two men, one was incredibly rich, had piles of like all kinds of herds, all kinds of flocks. Another man was very poor and only had one small lamb. In fact, it says that they would, like the family would basically eat with it. Uh, they would hold it, they would cuddle this lamb. They, did, they had this one pet lamb. A visitor came to the rich man's house and was hungry. And so the rich man said, I need to, I need to, like prepare a meal for my traveler and friend. And so he says, I don't want to take one of my own lambs from my, this huge, vast flock. I know what I'll do. I'll go take the poor man's lamb. And so he takes the lamb from the arms of this family, kills it, and then gives it, prepares it as food and gives it to this traveler. And when David hears that story from the prophet Nathan, he said he becomes angered. He said, that man ought to be killed. And the prophet Nathan says these words. He says, David, you're that man. Wow. Talk about being drilled between the eyes. Like, David, in the King James Version, which happens to be my favorite in this place, thou art the man. 
thou art the man. You're, you're that guy. You're, you're, you're that man. And it says this. It says that Nathan speaks on behalf of the Lord, and he says this, I've anointed you king of Israel. I have delivered you from the hand of Saul. I have given you your master's home and your wives. And if that was too little, I would have added much, much more to this. Why have you done this? And David, with this incredible weight of just conviction and guilt, and all of this just comes upon David, and David says, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan says to David, then the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. And it is at this point that David says this, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me, the verse we read, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. As I think about this story today, there's just three words I wanna draw your attention to. Three words. Number one, relationship. Relationship. All of us, all of us today were created to have a relationship with God. All right? Good news, right? Isn't that amazing? I'm not talking just about the pastor. I'm not talking about just, just the priest. I'm not talking just about the Pope or Mother Teresa or whoever it may be that we think like we, we, we respect as some, some spiritual figure. All of us were created to have a relationship with the living creator God. All of us. The person seated, uh, seated next beside you, you, all of us, the good news is all of us were created to have that relationship, that relationship with God, but there's this thing that's called sin that separated us from that relationship. Sin. Sin, as, as James 4.17 says, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to that person it's sin. It's our sin knowing what we should do, but then not doing it. It's our rebellion, our disobedience that separates us from God. Saul, Isaiah 59, 2 says this, but your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, and that he does not hear. That's the power of our sin. Here's God, here's us. We were created to live together in harmony and unity, but there's this thing called rebellion. There's this thing called disobedience, and what happens is it brings this separation between God, and like, like, like God's like reaching out to us, and like we want this relationship, but there's this thing of sin that separates us. But, but this first, first point is so imperative, but as David says, but I uh, as, as, as the scripture teaches that like I want to, God says, I want to have this relationship with you. And so, number two, relationship number one. Number two is this word rescue. Out of God's great love for us and out of his desire to be in relationship with us, he chooses to rescue us. Pastor Jared talked about it. He prayed about it already today. He chooses to rescue us from our sin by sending his son, Jesus Christ, on a life-rescuing mission for all of us that he might take our sin on himself. And how does he rescue us? It begins when he gives us a revelation of our sin so that we might repent, lean on the forgiveness that God offered to us through his son, Jesus Christ, that we might come into that relationship. And really, that's the story of David and Bathsheba, isn't it? 
David sins, he's gonna cover it over. I'm not gonna tell anybody what's gone on. I'm gonna cover it completely over. And God says, no, I love you too much to leave you in that sin. You're not gonna be there. I'm not gonna allow you to stay in that sin. I'm gonna send you a prophet whose name is Nathan. He's gonna tell you a story, and then he's gonna say, thou art the man. This is you, David. You're the guy to reveal, to bring to light that sin because there is no rescue in hidden sin. There is no rescue in unconfessed sin. Sin only thrives, it just grows like in the darkness of unrepentance and of unconfession. I think of this whole thought and I think of somehow David thought, if I can just cover this sin, then nobody's gonna know. No one will, like, it's just going to be my secret and Bathsheba's secret, but nobody's going to know about it. As I think about that, I think about the emotional weight. I think about the, the emotional strain that David experienced trying to, like, trying to cover over his sin. I mean, he had used his, his kingly position to, position to take sexual advantage of another man's wife. He had devised schemes then to kill uh, uh, that, like, Bathsheba's husband, and that involved killing. And then on top of all that, which is just, it's just kind of mind-blowing, David, after he kills Bathsheba's wife, has them killed, then he goes to Bathsheba and says, dear, I just want you to know I really love you. I really would like to be your husband. Would you allow me to take care of you? Could we just, like, would you marry me, and then you can come and live in the palace, and we'll just kind of live happily ever after? And to me, I'm like, like, are you serious? Like, that's being a real jerk. Did you ever tell her that you, David, were the one responsible for killing, like, like her husband? Like, that that was you. And now you're going to marry her? You're going to, like, bring her into your home? That was you. Are you, you going to tell Bathsheba, Bathsheba, I just want, you know, I'm the one that ordered the death of your husband. You need to know this. And David says, I'm not going to say that. He's just going to keep that thing completely covered over so nobody's going to know. And Dave, God says, that's not going to happen because your sins, that says, it's going to come to light. And I'm going to use Nathan the prophet to bring it to light. And I think about the emotional weight, the emotional pressure, the mental anguish that David experienced in an attempt to keep his sins hidden. Like nobody's gonna know. I'm gonna pack these things down because I don't want anybody to know. And can I just say this? We are prisoners to unconfessed sins. We are prisoners to unconfessed sins. The guilt and the shame of unconfessed sins is incredibly weighty. It's just like, ah, 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 let me tell you just this crazy, it's like a silliest story ever, but like, like 39 years ago when Mary and I got married, she had, came down to visit uh, me in Arizona, that's where I was living, and the day that I proposed to her, it was 117 degrees. And, and, and my little car that I had at the time, I mean, it had air conditioning. I had never bothered to get it fixed, but I mean, it did have air conditioning. It worked really well. It just didn't work when it was hot out, okay? If it was really hot, it didn't work. And so I went to the store to pick up the ring. And so as I'm there, I'm like, come on, come on. We gotta get this thing going. I gotta get this ring. I'd already picked it out. It was getting sized. I gotta get this thing going. I gotta, like, I'm proposing to my, like, to, to my fiance today. I'm gonna, like, this is gonna be it. It's gonna be marrying. And so, so the lady at the counter says this, Nathan, uh, as she's starting to ring this whole thing up and like the diamond and the ring and, and she says, do you have an in-store credit card? 
I know this is so silly. This is so silly, okay? And I says, yes. Because I don't want to take time to fill out some, like, application for a credit card, okay? I said, yes. Okay, okay. And so she bundles up the ring, and I go out, and, and eventually, as we're sitting in the car, it was not romantic whatsoever. But it worked, 39 years later. And I said, Mary, as she's sitting in the car, her hair was pulled back, sweats coming down, like she would never go for this today, believe me, okay? But at the time, you know, you just, but, but I said, honey, would you, would you be my wife? And she said, yes, I would. So I put the ring on her finger, we had a great supper, and, and, and have lived happily. Well, that would be a lie. But anyway, but <laughs> we have had incredible times, but I won't say ever, every day, ever, ever. Uh, I should not have said that. Uh, <laughs> But in it, but in it, God reminded me the next day, Nathan, you lied to that lady. You don't have a credit card at that company. I'm like, I know, God, but I was in such a hurry. And I'm going, this is silly. I know, I know, I know. Because it's, and then you, can't, like, then you give the ring to your wife and like, like, like well, so you need to make that right. Like, how do I make it right then? So I called up the store. And I said, said, I need to talk to the lady that's about 40 years old, the, 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 the brunette lady in jewelry. And so they hooked me up with the lady, and they said, hello. And I said, yeah, you probably don't remember me, but I went and bought an engagement ring yesterday for, for my fiance. You asked me if I had a credit card, and I said no. Or I said, yes, I do have a credit card. I just want you to know I don't have a credit card. And she goes, Okay. Anything else? I go like, no, that's it. Thank you. Bye. And I'll, anyway, uh, because I don't, I, I just, the, I know that sounds. I have such a high regard for honesty and integrity, and to 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 to, to purchase the ring when I'd been dishonest, like it's just like ah. Oh. There's something about unconfessed sin, of the guilt and the shame that just holds us such an incredible prisoner. It holds us just a prisoner of, 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 of the things that have not been brought to light. And David's cry is, in verse 14, rescue me from the blood guiltiness, O God. The word blood guilt or blood guiltiness means rescue me from the guilt associated with taking another person's life. He wasn't saying, at this moment, before he talked about deliver me from sin, but here he's saying, deliver me from the guilt, deliver me from the shame, because it's overwhelming to know that I've taken another man's life out of my selfishness, and God, would you please deliver me from the guilt and from the shame, from the guilt and from the shame. And the amazing, incredible news today, guys, is this, that God not only delivers us and rescues us from our sin, but he rescues us from the shame and the guilt associated with our sin. If today you've come to Jesus and you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you have a lot of things, you're like, man, I'm not happy about that. I'm not real pleased with that. And I'm walking around with such incredible condemnation and guilt and heaviness and blame and just all of these things. I don't know what to do. Can I just tell you something? When you come to God and like you say, God, I'm asking that you would forgive me. He will rescue you not only from the sin, but from, from, from the guilt of the sin and the shame associated with that. Instantly, when David says, I have sinned against the Lord, instantly the prophet Nathan says, the Lord, the Lord has forgiven you. 
That's gone. No more guilt. No more shame. Paul says this in Romans. Therefore, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no guilt. There's no shame. You are free. God doesn't hold that thing. In fact, so many ills, like emotional ills, and I'm not the expert in this area, but so many ills are associated, emotional trauma are associated with this thing called shame because of the shame and the heaviness and the guilt and God says, you don't have to do that. You're not perfect. You have sinned. But I've come to rescue you and deliver you from the, say, from the guilt and from the shame. But there's a couple different parts in it. There's a couple different parts in it. First of all, we come to God. 1 John 1, 9, it's all in confession. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. We say, God, I'm sorry. I'm confessing to you, God. I've sinned. I'm not going to hide this anymore. I'm not going to try to hide it under like this, this rock. I'm not going to try it. I'm just, God, I, I've sinned. I'm sorry. And the Bible says that when we confess our sins, he will forgive us of our sins. Immediately, immediately, when David confessed to Nathan, Nathan says, the Lord has forgiven you. We confess it to the Lord, but then there's also something so incredibly powerful about confessing it to another person. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. There's something about sitting down with a trusted person, not advertising it on Facebook or Instagram, sitting down with a person and just saying, can I tell you my story? And when you confess it and bring it to light, what happens is there's something, there's, there's such a release of the guilt and the shame, and there's this thing that comes in, God's healing presence and his power as we confess. Apart from that, we are held, we're held prisoner. We're held prisoner to the guilt. I was just reading a, a story. I think I shared this a long time ago, but there's a book uh, by Richard Hoffler called When Daylight Comes, and he just tells a story, and I'm just gonna read it from this book. It says, there was a little boy that was visiting his grandparents and he was given his first slingshot. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. As he came back to grandma's backyard, he spied grandma's pet duck. On an impulse, how many of you guys would do this? On an impulse, he took aim and let fly, and the stone hit, and the duck fell dead. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile, only to look up to see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today, didn't you, Johnny? He whispered to her, remember the, or she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wouldn't mind doing that. Again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, finally he couldn't stand it no more. He confessed to Grandma that he had killed the duck, to which Grandma responded and said, I know Johnny. She said, giving him a hug. I was standing at the window and I saw the whole thing transpire. Because I love you, I forgave you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. That's sin. We're going to try to hide it like David did because we're not going to let anybody know thinking like this is going to be great. I'm going to save face, keep my reputation, but the guilt and the shame eat us alive until we say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. God, forgive me. 
and we sit down with a trusted friend, pastor, counselor, whoever it was, and whoever that, if there's someone that we've wronged, we make it right with that person, and we confess it to that person. And that peace, that peace that knows no bound begins to wash over us. I remember, I remember sitting in a federal courtroom a number of years ago. There was a man that had been, had been imprisoned here, and I led him to the Lord in, 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 in Grand Forks County uh, facility here. And I remember standing, being there with him in, in that, that federal courthouse because of the charges which he was charged with. He was looking to be put away for a long time. And as he stood up and said, are there any comments you'd like to make? He said this. I don't remember the exact words, but it was one of the most powerful things. He said, your honor, I know what I'm looking at today, but I just want you to know I would rather be a free man in the state penitentiary than to be bound and to live outside of this place. Because he was saying, in essence, my freedom is not contingent upon my location it's, it's my freedom is contingent on what Jesus Christ has done for me. And I'm a free man, regardless of where I'm gonna spend these next years. Don't hide your sins. Confess them before God. Be transparent. Don't allow them to remain in the dark to another person. And the last word is this word. It's relationship, rescue, and restoration. God is not only a God of relationship. He's not only a God of rescue, but he is also a God of restoration. David and Bathsheba, after Uriah dies, David and Bathsheba get married. Their child that they had together dies. But sometime after that, Bathsheba becomes pregnant again, doesn't she? And this time the child lives. And they name the child Solomon. Solomon. Solomon, the wisest of Israel's kings. Solomon, the wealthiest of all kings to ever reign in Israel. And, 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 and just the shame and the guilt, the punishment of that could have just like completely just obliterated David, wiped out Bathsheba. But when David came to God and says, I'm sorry, I've sinned, Nathan says, you're free. There's gonna be some consequences that you're gonna have to walk through. And the death of that child is one of them. He says, but in all of it, God's not done and he wants to restore what's been lost. And the very next child that David had, Solomon, became such an incredible king because that's just like our God. And so today, if the band wants to come, you may look at your life you may look at your past sin and those things and say, it's all lost. My life's basically over. I'm just like burnt toast. My life's gonna be characterized by this sin. It's gonna be like just characterized by all these things. But can I tell you something? We serve a God whose name is Jesus and he is a life saver. He didn't come to, to obliterate us. He didn't come just to, to, to condemn us. 1 John 3, 17 says, he didn't come to just condemn us, but to save us. To save us, not to condemn, not to bring guilt and shame and heap it, but to, to, to deliver us, to rescue us from our sin and to rescue us from the guilt and the shame. And I just want us, if we could just bow our heads today uh, as, as we just conclude this time in prayer. I want you to know that God sees you today.
and there is no sin that's hidden from him. He loves you today. He loves you. And he says to you, if you will just confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and he's so just and he will forgive you of that sin and he will cleanse you from all the guilt and all the shame, all the heaviness in Jesus' name, oh God. There's no reason, there's no reason to walk underneath the guilt any longer. There's no reason trying to run around, trying to, to, to rescue your own reputation. The biblical directive is this, confess your sin, repent. Acts talks about it, and times are refreshing. will come from the Father of God and will bring such incredible refreshment to you. How many would say today, Nathan, I know today I'm not in a right relationship with God. I have been trying to cover over my sin too long. To be honest, the guilt and the shame, it's just eating me alive. And today, today I would just wanna, I, 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 need, I need relief. I need deliverance. I wanna come into a relationship with God. Anybody today would just raise your hand and say, that's me today. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down when you're done. Thank you. There's freedom and nothing else except the blood of Jesus when he came on rescue. Anybody else today? Anybody today you'd say, you know, I, I know the Lord and I certainly follow the Lord, but there are things in my life I just, I, need, I just, man, I, I, I just need to come clean on it. encourage you to do that. Thank you. You can put it down. Anybody today would say, today, Pastor, I'm struggling with so much guilt of my past and so much condemnation and so much shame. It's just consuming me. Anybody just say, I, I struggle so much with that today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with God, I wanna just lead us, lead you in a very simple prayer. It's just a prayer of just of confession, a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer of dedication. Maybe we can all, let's just all do this. Can we just pray this together? Let's say this. Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning and I give you my heart. I give you all of my sin. I give you all of my rebellion. I give you all of my disobedience. And God, I acknowledge it. And I'm sorry. I ask that you would forgive me, God. Come into my heart and make me a new person. 
restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your strong spirit. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, today, I think of those today that struggle with so much shame. Lord, I know you've forgiven us, God. Lord, I think of those that struggle with such an intense amount of guilt. They've just become accustomed to living under such guilt and shame and weightiness and heaviness. It results in feelings of such insecurity, feelings of just worthlessness, feelings of just such, just feeling so devalued. And Father, today I pray that you would reverse the curse in Jesus' name. And Lord, that today for my brothers and sisters, God, that you would remove the guilt and the shame Lord, I just love that verse that David says, deliver me, rescue me from blood guiltiness. Deliver me from the guilt of what I've done. Deliver me from the shame. And God, I ask that you would do that for my friends today, God. In Jesus' name, I bind you, devil, and your lies and all of the, the Lord, all of the, the, the untruths and the falsehoods. I bind, I bind those things, God. May you, Holy Spirit, release, Lord, the spirit of truth today in our hearts, oh God, that we would see things as you see them. And Lord, not, not, not through our own vision, Lord, but through how you see things, oh God, I pray. Lord, that we are loved, that we are valued, God, that we are forgiven. In Jesus' name, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, I pray, oh God. Thank you for rescuing us from our sin and from the guilt of our sin, I pray. Thank you, Jesus, I pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.